A beautiful morning and welcome. Wonderful to see you today as we celebrate every time we gather in Jesus' name is a cause for celebration, right? Especially on Sunday mornings as we remember his great victory over sin, over death, over the grave, and our victory in him. This morning we're going to celebrate as we look to the Gospel of John chapter 15. I'm going to ask you to be turning there. We'll be looking at that passage uh, for a few moments as we prepare for communion. We'll be having that at the close of service, but we're also, as we celebrate today, celebrating a couple other days. We want to celebrate as we begin yesterday. Yesterday was a great day of ministry to our community. Hundreds of people were our church going out and uh, serving Christ in so many various ways. And I thought it would be great for us just to enter into that celebration. I'm so grateful the numbers of you were a part of it. But in case you could not have uh, be there, please just watch this for just a few minutes and we just celebrate yesterday. Yeah, that's good. That's great. 
A special thanks to Al and Teresa who oversaw, coordinated that with a large number of folks teaming to do that. So such a blessing. And uh, it was a real blessing for me to participate. They gave me just the right job, you know, hold, <laughs> holding the ladder, okay? They had plans for me to be at the top of the ladder, all right? That didn't work out. I, I found a verse of scripture to keep me from being able to do that, you know? I had to go to the King James to find it. But Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. Okay, that's, that's right there. That's it. That's what I needed, that word right then. <clears throat> so it was a great day. Thank you again for all of you that, <clears throat> excuse me, were a part of that and uh, pray for the follow-up as so many uh, ministry connections were made there. Well, I said we're celebrating this morning. We're also celebrating uh, from yesterday, but we're also celebrating a very historic uh, day last Sunday, uh, Actually, last Sunday night, as our church in a called session uh, overwhelmingly affirmed the planting of a new church from West Park. This church will uh, be Emmanuel Church. It's going to be led by Pastor Derek Grizz and Jared Raby and those that God calls up out of our body and others from the uh, community to be a part of that. But it was a great, great night, a great expression of, uh, of unity for that endeavor. We thank the Lord for it. And now just a couple of things, <clears throat> next steps going forward. Number one, if you were not able to be here to be a part of that official affirmation, we'd like you to be able to uh, uh, sign your name and, and personally affirm that out in the Welcome Center today and also next few Sundays is the actual affirmation of our church body. And if you would like to sign your name to that, uh, that's going to be a document that's going to go with Pastor Jared, Derek, and the group of folks that are forming Emmanuel Church. And uh, until the Lord comes back, uh, Lord willing, that document will be there that will remind uh, the folks of that church of how it began out of the vision the Lord had given for us as a congregation. So we'd love to have you to have the privilege to do that. And as I said, that document will be, those documents will be made available uh, for the next few Sunday mornings as you come or uh, leave from the services. Also, if you are interested in knowing more about Emmanuel Church and this church plant, next Sunday night, uh, May 1st, over in the hub, there is an information meeting that will be led by Derek and Jared, uh, giving a little more detail uh, about the, the specifics of the ministry, the vision of it, and for those who are considering perhaps being a part of that and want to know more, that must certainly be uh, a next step. But for all of us as a congregation, I want you to be praying about your participation in supporting this ministry Four weeks from today on May 22nd, we will have a special offering we're calling Seeds for Planting. And that, uh, that offering is going to go to help with the cost of the launch of this church. Of course, they're significant. And uh, we're trusting God to provide. And we need our church to come together and rally uh, in this endeavor. And so I hope that you will be very generous and ask the Lord to help you to give by faith 
uh, on that Sunday, four weeks from today, May 22nd, as we receive that offering. Of course, if you're not here, you can give and just at any time, just seeds for planting or the church plant, you can uh, give in, in that way as well. Well, let's look at uh, John chapter 15. If you turn there with me, please. You can excuse my voice just a little bit, but uh, it is a season and that pollen everywhere. So <clears throat> we're talking about planting these days, of course, and of course, church planting. But I want you to know that it, it's all about growth. Planting is associated with growth, growth of the kingdom, which the Lord wants, the growth of his church, his churches which the Lord wants, ultimately the growth of the kingdom, the growth of churches, both in quantity and quality comes down to the growth of individual believers. Growth as disciples, how does that growth happen? Well, I want us to see that there are two, two very important processes that Jesus always uses in growing his people, planting and pruning. Planting for growth and pruning for growth. And that's clearly seen in this beautiful passage. Listen to these words of Jesus that he shared with his disciples just a few hours before his arrest and his passion. Here's what he said, beginning in verse 1, John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, thrown, and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Planting for spiritual growth. It's a process that we see here and we hear in the words of Jesus. Now, in order to really appreciate why Jesus is talking about vine and branches, we have to make sure we read this in the context. We have to take our, ourselves, so to speak, to the evening in which Jesus said these words. And here's what you find. These words of Jesus 
are part of what is known as the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse. This is a teaching time that Jesus is having with his disciples in the upper room where he observed Passover with them and where he also had the first time of communion. He instituted the ordinance of communion that we're going to share this morning at the close of the service. He did that in this upper room experience. Now, why vine and branches in the upper room discourse? Well, Jesus has just held the cup containing wine. He holds the cup which has the contents from the fruit of the vine. And Jesus begins to talk about the new life that they have, the new relationship they're going to have, the new fellowship they're going to have, the new mission they're going to have after he leaves them. And so holding that cup of wine and sharing it with them, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But also in just a few minutes, Jesus is going to leave the upper room. He's going to begin walking through the streets of Jerusalem toward the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem. And so to get there, he has to walk across the Kedron Valley. And just before he approaches with his disciples, the Kedron Valley on his left is going to be this huge wall of the temple. It's going to be shining with all of the limestone and with all of the encrusted jewels and precious stones that were added to it and were told by the historians on the entire side there of the temple was a golden vine with golden clusters of grapes because God calls himself the God of Israel and Israel, he says, you are my vine. I have taken you out of Egypt I have planted you in the land that I promised to your ancestors and there you will live and you will bear fruit for me. And so Jesus is using this image of the wine, the image of the vine and the branches to share with his disciples about this new life of growth that they're going to know. Now, he says it's going to be a life of relationship, a life of fellowship, and a life of purpose. I want us to look at those three things that Jesus says about this new life. And then what I want us to do is before we take communion, before we take communion, I want us to have some takeaways about communion with Christ. Now, notice Jesus says that his followers are going to be planted in a living relationship. They're going to be planted in a living relationship. The image here is of life. The vine dresser is God. Did you see that? God, the Father, plants the vine in the earth. The vine is his son. 
And from that vine come branches. And the branches are his disciples, his children. It's, a, it's an image of a living relationship. Verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. It's, it's an image of life. Life from the father who is the vine dresser. Life through the son who is the vine and life shared with people who come to Christ by faith and they become part of the life of God in the family of God. Beautiful image of life, the vine and the branches. But it's also an image of relationship. I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, when you think about a vine and a branch, you really can't tell where the vine ends and the branch begins because the branch is just an extension of the vine. It's a, it literally is just a relationship from the vine. It is the vine that is producing this branch. It's a living relationship. It's life-giving. And that's the reason Jesus tells his disciples, <clears throat> notice in verses four through seven, he uses the same word four times about this living relationship. He says, abide, abide in me. He says it seven times, abide, 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 abide. Relationship. Life requires a living relationship with Jesus Christ. It cannot be manufactured. It cannot be produced by ourselves. There is no organization which can create it. There is no religious observance which can make it happen. It requires the life of God in Christ. That's where Life really is. I'm the vine. You're the branches. It's a living relationship. It's personal. That's the reason we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Not whether your family has been a Christian family, but are you a Christian? Not whether you have close friends or who are Christ followers, but are you a Christ follower? Is it personal between you and Jesus? See, it's a personal relationship. But now notice this, it is a personal relationship, it's a personal union, but it is not an isolated union. It is a living relationship, branch and vine, believer and Christ, but it is also a living fellowship, a living fellowship. Notice briefly again what Jesus said in verse five. I am the vine, you are the, what's the next word? Branches. Is that singular or plural? That is plural. I am the vine, you are the branches. One vine dresser, God the Father. One vine, God the Son. Many branches. Now, isn't that beautiful? There is, there's that picture of individual branches, individual Christians. 
but there's that picture also of unity. Many branches, but one vine. Diversity. Diversity among the branches, but there's one vine. The vine is Christ. It's a living fellowship of many. And there is a single purpose. One vine, one vine dresser, and there's one single purpose. Did you notice this? It is a living purpose. Jesus creates a living relationship with people so that they can have a living fellowship with other people in him. And then each one and all together are part of a living purpose. Now, what's the purpose of a branch? What's the purpose of a disciple? What's the purpose of being a branch connected to Jesus? Well, verse eight, he said, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much, next word, fruit, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What is the purpose of a branch? What's the purpose of being a disciple? To bear, <clears throat> to bear fruit. I told you that word abide is used seven times in four verses, but notice the word fruit is used six times. Six times he says, you will abide in me and you will bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit. Bearing fruit is the proof and the purpose of being a branch. What's the purpose of a branch? To bear fruit. What's the proof that a branch is connected to the vine? It bears fruit. Why doesn't a branch produce fruit? Because it's not connected to the vine. What's the proof that a person is a true disciple of Jesus? He or she bears fruit. Now that leads to the second question. If the purpose and the proof of being a branch, a Christ follower, is fruit, then the question which follows is, what is that fruit? What's that fruit? What is the fruit of a branch? Well, the fruit is external and internal at the same time. It's external and internal. What, what is the internal evidence that becomes external that a branch is connected to the vine. What is the fruit of a branch? Listen carefully. It's the qualities that are in the vine. The fruit that comes on a branch the qualities of that fruit are already in the vine. 
So what is the fruit of being a branch connected to Jesus, to being a follower of Jesus? What's the fruit that there's a life-giving union? It's when the fruit is being more and more like Jesus. Well, what is Jesus like? What's Jesus look like? Do we even know what Jesus looks like? Absolutely, we know what Jesus looks like. The Bible gives us a very specific portrait of what Jesus looks like. Not of his facial features, but of his character. What is Jesus like? Jesus is like this. Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what Jesus is like. What have I just quoted for you? Some that have read this in Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. What is that called by the apostle Paul? The fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the fruit of Jesus. The spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus. He said, when I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit. You will be born from above. My life will be given to you and you will express my life and you will become like me. Now, it's a process, isn't it? But that is the true Quality, the true evidence of being a branch is producing the attributes of Jesus. Friends, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. These things cannot be manufactured by any personal intention. You can learn facts about the Bible and somebody can learn facts about the Bible who does not have the life of Jesus. You can teach, you can talk things, uh, you can go to church, you can do good works, but only the life of God can produce in a person so that they, were, they are becoming more and more a person of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What did Jesus say? By their fruits you will know them. And so we, we look at ourselves. A am I seeing myself becoming more? Is my desire to be more like that? that? That's the evidence of life. What's the fruit of a branch? It's the life that's in the vine. And also the fruit of being a branch is, you know what? It's producing other branches. It's producing, it's, it's multiplying, multiplication. The fruit of being a disciple, Jesus wants us to make 
disciples. You see, here he's using the image of the vine and the branches and much fruit. And you can press any image, any illustration, any simile or metaphor in the scriptures. You press it too deep and it will start to break down. But what is the main image? The main image is that if you are a branch connected to Jesus, you will have life, you will produce his character, and you will produce more life. Jesus said, I want you to go and be making disciples. That's, that is the heart. Multiplication. You know, as I was reading this, what I saw that this whole, this whole passage is about connectedness. It's about planted, being planted in Christ, abiding in Christ. But did you see how it's about connected? Being connected? Being planted and connected in a relationship. A relationship with whom? Christ. Connected with Christ. It's about being planted and connected with others in fellowship. Other branches. Other people of God. It's about being connected in community. It's about being planted and connected for the purpose of producing fruit. It's about being connected on a cause. So you see, friends, when we talk about here at West Park that our desire is to see people connected at three levels, three C's, to be connected in Christ, to be connected in community, to be connected with a cause. That's not just a slogan, friends. That's rooted in scripture. It may not be said exactly like that, but that is what Jesus is talking about. Connected with him. Connected in community with others. Connected in the cause. But now before we take communion, I want to give you some takeaways from this about communion with Christ. What, what, what do we need to hear about being planted as believers? Well, here let me just give you quickly these four takeaways. Number one, plant yourself in Christ. Plant yourself. Plant yourself in Christ. Do you see that word abide? Abide in me. Abide in me. What does that word abide mean? It means to attach yourself like a branch attaches itself to the vine. It means to latch hold of like a branch latches hold of the vine. It, it has the idea of holding on to, it, wrapping yourself around. It's the idea of trust and reliance. All of that is wrapped up in the image here. Friends, plant yourself in Jesus. Plant yourself in Christ. Only Christ and Christ alone has life. Plant yourself in Christ. You know, on a regular basis, I'll have people say to me, you know, Sam, I need to get back in church. And I know what they mean by that. And I understand. But in my heart, I'm saying, no, you don't. You don't need to get back in church. You just get attached to Jesus. He'll take you to church. 
You know, you know, Sam, I just need to be using more talents. I just need to be giving more. I just need to be doing more for Christ. No, you don't. You just need to attach yourself to Christ and his life will lead you to do what he wants you to do. See, the issue's not religion. It's not about a church. All these things are important, but it's about Christ. It's the means of grace and the grace is in Jesus. Friends, I plead with you, plant yourself in Christ. Lay hold of Christ. Are you laying hold of Christ? You know you're a sinner. You know you're failing. You know how frail you are. You know that you're not all you ought to be or you want to be. But are you wrapping hold of Christ as your life? He is our life. Abide in Christ. Plant yourself in Jesus. Plant yourself in the word. Look at verse three, verse seven, and verse 10. Did you hear what Jesus said about abiding in him? Did, he, did you hear how he told you that you would be able to abide in him? Verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Look at verse seven. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Plant yourself in the word of God. You see, the reason he says that is because it's in Jesus' words that we meet him. It's in, it's in his word that we come to know him. It's in his word that we connect with him. It's in his word that we grow in him. It's in his word that we become more like him. This is not just a book with ink on paper. This is the living word of the living God, the living Christ. The historic Christ is in this book. And you meet him here. Do you want to know Jesus? Open the book. Plant your face in the book. Facebook. Put your face in the book and pray to the living Jesus to show himself to you. Folks, he's not dead. He's not far away. He is here. He wants you to know him. Plant yourself in the book. Some of you, you, you say, well, I just don't understand it. You didn't understand the manual to your cell phone, but you figured it out. <laughs> don't, don't give me that. Don't, you read the ingredients on cartons of everything. Don't tell me you can't read the Bible. Don't, don't hide behind that. I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm sorry. I, I see people reading stuff all the time. You can't walk down the street without your face in your cell phone. Meet Jesus in the book. You've got the time. He's alive. He will meet you. Just this week. What a week the Lord gave me. And I messed it up in some way. 
But you know, I, this week I sat down with some young people, different times. I, I'm three times their age. And I was humbled by their knowledge and hunger for Jesus. They, they are just in love with Christ. And, and they counted a privilege to talk to me. I want to crawl under the table. You don't have to be old to know Jesus. You don't have to be educated to know Jesus. You know, I saw a guy this week. I, I'm, I met him 14 months ago in a counseling situation. I hadn't go to the church here. But we started talking together. And you know what? From the very first, I didn't like him. I didn't want to talk to him anymore. He, he, I didn't like him. He wasn't like what my mom said you ought to be like. And I didn't want to be with him. Mom didn't want me to hang out with him. I know him. She didn't. But you're a pastor. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, so I met with him. I'm no, I'm just open up here. I met with him. And I began to tell him about the Lord and God's plan for his life and the truths of these scriptures. And I asked him, read this, do this. Here's a way, here's a plan. And you know what? He did it. I, he actually went and did it. I still didn't like him much, but he went and did it. You know, this is like when pastors dream, you talk, people actually do. And I want to tell you, he began to change and change and change. And I sat down with him this week for two hours. I didn't know who I was talking to. It's the same body. It's like the body snatchers. I mean, where did this guy go? The guy I didn't like. Who's this guy that showed up here? He's quoting scripture to me. He's polite. He's nice. He's talking about his dreams and how he wants the Lord to use his life. And I'm going, are you serious? I'm thinking about this. He got connected with Jesus. Folks, you plant yourself in the word. You ask the living Christ to reveal himself to you. You start talking to him. And in 60 days, you won't know yourself. He's alive. Plant yourself in Christ. Plant yourself in the word. Plant yourself with others. Plant yourself with others. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. Praise God. But you'll find out in the New Testament... There's no such thing as an isolated relationship with Jesus. There are branches. He wants you to be with others. He wants you to know others and be known by others and be able to pray with others and then pray for you and encourage each other. And you get around the word and you talk and you share it. That's community. Where is that happening in your life? Where are you gathering? Who are you with? Where, how does that happen for you? Where those one another's, not of personal relationship, yes, absolutely, but of also having a shared relationship. This, this week, family in our church had a terrible tragedy. Gary and Becky Bowman, their 36-year-old son, died in his sleep at their home. Becky went to waken him, and he was already gone. 
shock, disbelief, heartache. But friends, they were amazed and it was such an amazing thing to see as they are part of the worship ministry and the worship ministry just started gathering around them. They're in a small group here at the church. A small group just showed up. And incredible ways, they were not alone. They were loved on and, and they were just overwhelmed. And it was such a blessing for people to give to them. And it was just beautiful to see this is community. This is the body of Christ. Plant yourself in Christ. Plant yourself in the word. Plant yourself with others. And can I say one thing more, friends? Plant yourself where you are. Plant yourself where you are. Wherever you are, be where you are. So many people are waiting to be someplace else. They're not being where they are. They keep waiting and waiting. If circumstances would change, I could change. If things would just get better, I would get better. And it's going to happen someday. In a few years, I'm going to be this or just a little bit more. No, 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 no. It won't happen. Be where you are. Be planted right now where you are. Ask the Lord to plant you. Because I want you to know something about wherever you are, God is there. Wherever you are, God is there. You may think you work in a God-forsaken office. <laughs> God's there. You may think you're in a God-forsaken school or university. God is there. You may think that you're in obscurity. Nobody knows you're there. God knows you're there. You are where you are right now, and right now is the time to plant yourself in Christ, plant yourself in the Word, plant yourself with others, and begin to bear fruit right now. Right now. Lifelong fruit. Don't wait. Don't stop. Keep on. Friends, I want to say this to aging baby boomers, whoever they might be, or busters, or millennials, or I don't know, whatever. We never retire from being a branch for Jesus and connected to him. Never. Now, I was at the doctor this week. I had to go for my, every three months, I have to go for a checkup for this neuro, neurological disorder. And, I, you know, I'm start, I almost get a little frustrated. He's a dear man, dear brother. But I go see him every three months. I go in his office. He hits me on the knee. He hits me on the shoulder. Asks me, how you doing? I say, I'm fine. Then we start talking about his family and his plans and what's going on. You know, and that's great and that's wonderful. Then he sends me a bill. <laughs> so this is where I am. I want you to come down here in, in my office. I want to hit you on the knee. I'm going to hit you on the shoulder. Then I'm going to tell you about myself and I'm going to bill you. I'm going to do that every day. I want that. That's what we do. But he asked me, he said, hey, you thinking about retirement? And when your doctor asks you, if you think about your retiring, you say, okay, what's in that file there? What? Okay, something. But, but you know, no. 
I thought, why would he ask such a young guy about retirement? Why would you ask me? I don't get it. But, but here's a verse for you. Some of you retired. Think about retirement. Wonderful. But not retirement from the Lord. Psalm 92. Baby boomers. Psalm 92. The righteous are like the palm trees. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. They are always green with sap. And even in their latter years, they are still bearing fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit for the glory of Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We come now to take of these elements. We take of the bread that reminds us of this communion that we have in Jesus. These are, <clears throat> these are elements of communion. And now as we receive this bread, we're reminded of our shared life in Jesus, the bread of life.